0: everyone welcome to the season three finale of the panthers nation network here a podcast a part of panthers nation you all first off just to say this season has been insane for all of the crap that our team has put us through maybe y'all must like hearing us you know part of my french bitch and complain every week because y'all have been coming and flooding in and it has just been amazing to see all of y'all coming in so if you're new to this podcast um, and, you know, this is your first season listening to us. Thank you so much. If you've been listening to us since day one, back with the Panthers brawl in, in, in 20 – you know, pre-pandemic, then you're a real trooper and you are suffering just as much as we are. Go get therapy. Stop listening to us because we, we ain't going to help you. Someone else, someone else is going to have to do that. Look at back in the season recap, y'all. I just – I mean, I look at all of the programs that are, that are making moves upward. I mean – you look at the Bengals. They—they. They, it's been what, two years since they had the number one pick. Not even. Yeah. If we're taking calendar years, it's been maybe two years, I think, and now they're in the playoffs, fight, taking on the top seed of the AFC. Um. You know, we don't know how what that matchup's going to talk about. And Jeff is holding his breath, waiting to talk about that. But well, we won't let him just get – But you talk, and then you look at other organizations that are making those moves: the Giants, the Bears, the Vikings taking away stagnant coaches that they've had. I mean, Zimmer of all people wasn't even that bad of a coach. They just, you know, couldn't seem to get past the threshold of mediocrity maybe because of their quarterback, but we're not going to talk about that just in, just right now. I just, uh, I'm really starting to question a lot of David Tepper's decisions. And I know a lot of the time, you know, at the beginning of the regime, we were really happy about all the things he was doing outside of football Charlotte, Charlotte FC, you know, upgrades to the stadium, the, the you know, the, you know the, the the team center, all these kind of the, – the Ring of Honor, that's all well and good. But now I'm starting to worry if he even has the ability to know what to do for stuff on the field.
1: The issues I have with Tepper are just that it seemed like he was focused on making Carolina a national brand more so than worrying about just making us a good football team again, just make us competitive again. A lot of things. I'm I'm happy about all the things that he's, that he's done, like the upgrades to the stadium, all of that. That's cool. But at the end of the day, we didn't come, we didn't need him to become an owner to give us a soccer team. We only care about winning football games. And until that gets done, I don't really know where his headspace is. It it seems like it's more, more money oriented right now than than you know results oriented.
2: Yeah, and it's funny, in the in the pre-show, me and Sean Tees were talking about how we're going on two years of uh, doing this podcast, and I, we, we talked about how that offseason was one of the first ones where there was lots a lot of moves to be made um, for the organization, and it hadn't been like that for a while because, um, you know, we had been a pretty steady organization, um, although we didn't reach our final goal, which is why, why we had to change. So, um, you know, two years ago, just thinking about how Um, You know, we're picking high in the drafts, looking forward to, you know, rebuilding this thing. And two years later, we're still sitting in the same spot at square one. So, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about with the current state of the team. But, um, you know, nothing really has seemed to change in two years. Nothing changed.
3: You know, you mentioned the the money idea um, versus like, you know, the team and stuff like that. Like he's more interested in the money. You figure if he's more interested in the money, he'd put a good product on the field um and it just doesn't seem to be the top priority. um you know we bu- he's building the new thing in Rock Hill South Carolina. You know, he's got the 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 soccer team, making the improvements to Bank of America. That's great. Even do all that, but guess what? Who's going to go? And, and now that you're, you know, two whatever how many years in, um it just seems to be like a flat line. There's no there's no energy, there's no enthusiasm. There's just no nothing. And I'm sure we'll get into it more as we talk about some of the things that we're gonna talk about, but um I just – yeah, I mean, we're, we're – there's still no identity. And and and, and when you – when you know, um, I, I just – I don't know that Tepper or Rule know what they're doing, and Federer might be caught in the middle. So I don't know.
0: I mean, and, and Shanti's put it perfectly, you know, wanting us to make us – wanting to put Charlotte on the map, wanting to put the Carolinas on the map, and Carolina sports on the map. Well, take a look at Carolina sports right now, starting with the Hornets. They were never in national conversation at all the last three, four years. They did the work to get LaMelo, to get Gordon Hayward, to get Terry Rozier, you know, it's some moves that we thought were, were were stupid. We thought we were questioning these moves. Then they just get these guys in the drafts. Now they're on Bleacher Report and House of Highlights every other night. LaMelo and Miles, they could lose games, and they're still going to get talked about. Our announcers that we've known for dec- for a decade now are finally getting the recognition they deserve. Uh, you look at, I mean, even going further, uh, you look at if you want to go to college, look at North Carolina and South Carolina, both brought back, you know, coaches that meant a lot to that program, Mack Brown and now Shane Beamer. And, you know, Mack Brown had the number one recruit. it was like the top recruiting class, I think, in the ACC, if not, you know, top 10 in in the whole NCAA, South Carolina now, the, num- the, the national coach of the year for a first year coach, getting a bowl game and a bowl win and a huge recruiting class coming off, like not doing things. Like doing things with a with a plan in place, with a knowledge, even don't even further than that. And and, and NASCAR now, next gen cars, next gen tracks, you know, new sponsorships, new you know, new media rollouts, new drivers. Michael Jordan's got his own freaking team now. He's got two teams already that he's only he's doing better jobs with the David Tepper. There was a time and place where Michael Jordan was the most hated owner in Charlotte sports. That's not the case anymore. And then even look at I mean MLS, you can talk about it like there's already an excitement and already a clamor for that organization. It hasn't even started yet. Every, I mean, people are buying jerseys. People are already like buying season tickets and there's not even a a team yet, you know, a full plan in place. So it's just like Charlotte sports, we're loyal to you and we can get national attention when we perform, but doing all this other stuff and and not putting thought into the product, that's not going to give you the national attention you want. Cause I'll tell you what, Tepper, we're getting national attention. Skip Bayless is talking about us, and Pat McAfee is talking about us being high school teams and clown and you know clown shows. So you're getting national attention. The cam stuff was cute, and I, I think now looking back, you found a way to screw him over twice. I don't know how you could do that, but you found a way to screw him over twice and take him for granted. And Rule, of course, had a part to play in that, but that's still your doing. You brought this guy in for seven years. You tied your horse to this wagon for seven years without even, you know, you, you, you. It was like a mail order bride the way he came in, We sight unseen. You know, you had inklings of what he could do in college, but this isn't college, and and that's my and that's my main concern. And it starts now, and, and it's it started at the quarterback. I mean, we all were, you know, skeptical. Of 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 Sam Darnold, you know, some of us rightly so had op, you know thought of the op, were optimistic about his potential. Like Tyler, obviously, he had that optimism because we knew what he could do. But to then go and say, especially to back talk yourself in your own press conference to say that a draft pick that high wasn't worth a quarterback in this class when you what you basically did was spend a draft pick that high on a quarterback. So I don't know now what and then to tell me. You didn't. Th- and now we're getting laughed at because the Rashawn Slater stuff—that was even worse. And T- Tyler, I want to—I want to hear your comments about you know and what you're Because optim- we were talking about it last week. Are you even optimistic with the sixth pick if it's in the hands if Matt Rule has any sort of say in it?
2: And you know that's the thing is you know it started off Teddy Bridgewater. That's that's quarterback one. That's who we're going with for the first year. Um, you know we jump ship after after a year Teddy, which was was the right decision. But the way we went about it in a quarterback class last year that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and that's great and stuff, but there's no denying that that quarterback class last year was one for the ages and was strong. No matter how you chalk it up. And um, you know, JC Horn, obviously, you know, very promising and we feel like we have a really good corner in the future with him, but with two, Quarterbacks that are playing really well, right now, and have bright futures, and have shown flashes. Although rookie quarterbacks, you know, struggle and aren't supposed to be good right away. I think that's ultimately ultimately what scared us away from getting a, a guy for the future there. And I think you know, going after Darnold, somebody that he had, had at least got the experience and looked good for a couple of weeks, but then um, just kind of all fell apart really easily. And uh, to see that downfall and see everything just go. Um, really a hundred to zero, um, in just a matter of weeks was kind of concerning and, um, to get three strikes on a quarterback and get a third try to, you know, get somebody else in the building. That's, uh, you know, especially in today's NFL where it's such a short leash leash. I mean, we saw the Vikings, Mike Zimmer, um, you know, his time was done there, um, And uh, Brian Flores, but, and you know, there's all different reasons for all this stuff, but it's, there's such a short leash nowadays, especially in the NFL. And it's really surprising uh, to see uh, this regime get their third quarterback, their third crack at the bat with it. So, we'll see that sixth pick is very valuable. You can't mess that up. That's the thing is um, we talk about Marty Herney all the time, but he nailed the first round picks. He nailed the first round picks and you can't afford to miss on the sixth overall pick. And so if there's not a guy that we feel absolutely great about being the future, that um, we shouldn't take a quarterback. Um, we, we, we got to figure out another way because to take somebody at sixth overall and have him be in a rotation on a week-to-week basis and not even um, having a, you know, a full plan for a long-term plan is not setting the rookie up for success. And I think that's what you need to do nowadays, especially with um, teams ready to move on from coaches, if they're not winning right away. And so um, if there's not a guy that we feel great about, I'm going to be really skeptical.
0: Exactly. I mean, you talk about those quarterbacks. There's what, now three of those rookie quarterbacks that were in the playoffs? Three of those teams have rookie quarterbacks in, the, uh, in these playoffs. Two of them, albeit, are removed. One of them still standing, but they still made it that far. And, um, I mean, so, Tyler, do you think, I mean, say, uh, you say, you know, obviously the sixth pick, I mean, we all talked about it. The, the, the thought process there was to, was to trade back, to trade back into the, you know, the mid, into 10 to 15 range, get some second-round picks, because if you're not going to get a quarterback there, I mean, how far do you think a guy like – Iki Ikawani would fall.
2: Yeah. So, you know, at this point in the that's year, not, that's the guy. right. Oh, so I'm with you 100%. I, I've, I loved what I've seen from him. I haven't done him completely, but from what I've seen, I think he's going to be my highest graded tackle in the class. Um, big fan of him. But um, as this year, I mean, last three years, we've been picking at the top 10. And this year, uh, you know, it's usually real fun to get on the mock drafts and start playing around with the mock drafts about this time. But you know, we don't have our second and third round picks right now, so that makes mocking for the Panthers like kind of kind of dull right now. And you and we know the uh, the tree that Scott Fitterer comes from, and um, you hope that for him, like he's not getting in the middle of this and not getting um, screwed over um, because what I've seen from him is he's done a pretty good job. Um, but you just hope he doesn't get screwed over um, in the position that he's being in. But, you know, coming from that Seattle tree, very, uh, very prone to trade back. Not a team that is like, you know, they made a, a very small amount of first-round picks comparatively um, to a lot of other organizations. So trading back is something that we even saw last year that is in, is at, always in play. Anytime the Panthers are coming up on the clock, you might see another team get put down in our position. And that means we traded back. So, you know, trading back for six, and I mean, unless – unless there's a quarterback that we feel really good about um it would be the preferred move will we do it i don't know this the quarterback situation is you know for for the right reasons it's 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 needed it's there's a lot of emphasis put on it and that's what rule gets asked about all the time in these press press conferences and so there's pressure to address the position i don't think we're going to be rolling into the year with darnold and pj as the only two quarterbacks in the room but, um, to, I mean, as an as a team overall, outside the quarterback position, we have holes all over the place, and we need a lot more than a first, a fourth, a couple late-round picks to address them. So, you know, moving back to the teams would be something I could see, especially because the teams picking before us, um, you know, there's no risk in them taking a quarterback. We're the first team I see on the board that – um, has the potential to take a quarterback, and there's going to be, be teams, Washington, Denver, that are uh, feeling like they're a quarterback away or just finally need somebody that they feel they can trust that um, you could see willing to come up, especially uh, Denver with, you know, a new head coach and new regime coming in. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll definitely have offers and the ability to move back um, for Ike Kwanu um, you know, looking at where we're at, you know, seeing that the Giants have the fifth and seventh pick. So we're kind of in a sandwich between them and knowing that they need offensive line help and knowing that we obviously need offensive line help. I would be really afraid that they say, all right, we're picking at five and the Panthers pick before us at seven and they're probably going to take alignment. So let's secure the best tackle that's on the board. So I could see us, you know, just missing out on one pick by, um, because of the Giants knowing that they're they're sandwiched between us, so um, how that plays out is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, sitting at six and taking a an you know a trustworthy tackle or guard is um, it will pan out because look at we look at Sewell, we look at Rashawn Slater, both are great tackles um, in year one and have shown to be you know future starters and future All Pros. So doing that would be fine, and then trading back, um, I wouldn't have any complaints with. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of different different rows to go down and, you know, taking your quarterback or going a different direction is really going to change the outlook of the franchise.
0: Yeah. that Giant sandwich scares me a lot more now that they'll probably have a competent GM in the front office and not Dave Gettleman, because I feel like Dave Gettleman would either have disregarded that completely, and not even thought about it, or he would have thought about it maliciously though. Yeah. Let's screw over the Panthers. We talked about it, Tyler, you know, the hoping that, you know, that um, Fitter isn't kind of, you know, pigeonholed in this draft. Cause I think what we saw, you know, the first year of rule, that was all rule. That was rule. Herney was just sitting in the back, you know, back seat doing nothing. This last year, I think it was more Fitterer had a bit more of the control. But you know, coming into point at the time that he did so close to it, I think Rule still definitely had a hand in that in that draft. So I'm hoping this year, kind of, we can see a full Fitterer draft. You know, obviously it's a little bit of input, but if I'm a Fitterer, i am be like, look, sit down, shut up you're not, stop it. If I'm temper, I'm telling him to do that too. And just let him Cause I mean, Jeff, you look at with the Titans talk about, you know, John Robinson and his relationship, you know, with, with Vrabel and kind of how that works and what you, what you've seen over the years and what you kind of think the, the, the give and take is there.
3: Two guys who are absolutely on the same page who have built this team to where they are today, but with an owner, I mean, think about, you know, Amy Adams Strunk. I keep going back to her. I mean, she has put her faith in two guys and said, you guys can get the job done. I know you can. She's there in the war room where they do things. There's that, that I don't want to say the Holy Trinity, but you know what I'm getting at. And and, and Vrabel and, and and Robinson are on the same page they always have been. Listen, Vrabel's a hard ass. I get it. But he knows what he wants. But John Robinson, um, who you watch John Robinson, he's not a business guy. He's out there, you know, playing with the linebackers and stuff like that. They have this, they understand what they want. They have a game plan in place and they follow it to a T. They know what their weaknesses are, and it's not like throwing darts at a dartboard. And, you know, um, I, I just – from even listening to Matt Rule this week and over the last week and a half, he's not going to give up control. He's not going to – you know, I, I don't know that Federer has a, a chance at getting what he wants. Um, and I don't think – I think Dave Tepper – I think Dave Tepper has said, Matt Rule, this is your team, run it as you please. And I'll just let the money roll in. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it, it's just, it's, it's, there, there is this, you know, if you look at um, uh, Pete Carroll, who was Pete Carroll with? Was he with, um? Or, uh, Pete who was the, um,
1: John Snyder? Yes.
3: I mean, they had this relationship. I, I mean, you know, you know, John Robinson was in with the, the New England Patriots for however many years or whatever. I mean, they know what they're doing and they have a game plan and they have the NFL experience to do it and unless you have that trust and confidence and knowing what you're doing to build a winner and listen, they've made the Titans relevant in three years. They've made the, the, the Tennessee Titans relevant. Um, the, nobody in America may believe that <laughs> the national media sure as hell does it. Um, but you know what I'm getting at, but they've made them a team that, you know what? And they have an identity and they have the idea. Here's the deal. They have the identity of their coach. They have the identity of their GM and I'm even going to say they have the identity of their owner, Amy Adams Trunk, whose, whose dad was a founding father of the AFL, Bud Adams. I mean, you know, she even has this attitude. So they they take, you know, you, you know, what I'm getting at the the team takes on the 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 attitude of their coach and and their and their their GM, and I, it it's just disarray.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the press conference, and yeah, I, this last week has been just a whirlwind of, of, of rules. Just I don't even know what he's talking about. The one thing that stood out, one of the one things amongst all the BS, was he made that comment about he's got about you know Sam being a mobile guy, having you know some sort of mobile outlet, and he said he's got a mobile guy he's looking at in LA. What I don't even what, who would that be? I don't even.
1: Oh, he was talking about Justin Herbert. He had to be. Okay. Well, when he was talking about Rashawn Slater, he had to be talking about Herbert, as far like him having a mobile quarterback to play alongside. I think he was talking. I think he was was referring to Justin Herbert. I don't know who else he could be talking about.
0: Neither do I. Uh,
1: Man, man, I'm not gonna lie. Rules had the funniest run of interviews because he's made it. He's he's made it worse. And now the national media's got a chance to to just really dig in and see, like, oh, this guy has no clue. And now everybody start like you said earlier everybody's starting to figure oh this guy has no clue and again i and like tyler said he's got get caught up in the middle of this because i truly believe he's a, he's a competent gm but i don't think you see any changes or any real progress be made until scott can pick his gm well this guy can pick his head coach i mean um i it, I, I like you said i mean like, like jeff said it seems that tepper's giving matt rule a little too much control with this roster again for a first year guy coming out of college giving him a seven-year deal and full control of that first draft on all defense. That was a, that was a mistake. I mean, it, did it help defensive progress? Yes. But I mean, to blatantly ignore needs on your roster for two years now, and now you're in a position where now you've, you've ignored needs and now you have more needs piling up and you really don't have a way to get out of any of this. I mean, there are talks now they're, they're, they're supposed to be involved with Kirk Cousins and getting getting him, possibly getting him. I, again, Another a thirty three year old quarterback who has been habitually average. So uh, again, you're just kind of stuck in no man's land here. And I think honestly, if you're a Panthers fan, just have to you just have to sit tight and and just take a Le'Veon year and just sit out and just say, look, man, it'll get fixed. It'll fix itself. but It ain't gonna get fixed this year coming up. I right, this is kind of the reality of the situation we're in right now.
0: I mean, and you talked about it. yeah, like I and it still furthers the narrative of of Tepper's you know, incompetence in that point to, a, to hire a head coach and before to fire a head coach first before letting him have a full GM while he was still in an interim head, not giving him the chance to work with another, with another, you know, GM, and then hiring a head coach before hiring a GM. I mean, we, I mean, we hate, I hate mentioning it all the time. You look at the Titans, John Robinson, 2017, Mike Grable 2018. John Robinson saw the, 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 Care, he put a stop to the carousel of of court, of court coaches that the Titans had that was screwing over Marcus Mariota and that was screwing over some of the, you know, that was, I mean, I, Derrick Henry was still obviously an insane talent, but was he really putting out that consistent numbers before 2018? He wasn't mm-hmm. doing that every year. He wasn't doing it when you had well, Mike, uh, Mike. Mike Malarkey.
3: First, huh? Mike Malarkey.
0: Mike Malarkey. And then wasn't it Mike Munchak or something? Well, yeah, too? Mike
3: Munchak first. and Yeah. I think you had – Um, Dave, uh, not, um, what's the guy who was the, um, not Dave Wonstadt, um, the guy who was with the Cardinals. Um, I can't remember. And then it was, then it was Mike Malarkey after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, um, and you're right, Jack, I mean, Robinson, John Robinson said, Hey, I see this guy of Rabel. He's who I, he's a lot like me. He's who, who, you know, let's go get him. Two Two former football players for the one thing, two former guys
0: who have been in this organization For decades, and know the ins and outs of what makes a successful organization and a successful regime.
3: Now you're going to get to it, I know, but it just goes back to and I've always talked about go get your go get your veteran coaches, go get these guys who are going to make a difference. You're really going to talk to Ben McAdoo from the Giants, who looks like he should be like my cousin Vinny with the hair slick. I mean, I are you really, really? I mean,
1: listen, I'm big on the veteran coaches. Mike, come on, man! Ben, hey, somebody, somebody said he sells boats in Conway. I- somebody said he looks. But, <laughs> but I
3: mean, it's the only- whole Riviera unlocked. I heard that yesterday or whatever, and I'm like going.
0: I mean, are we surprised that they're digging what? through the bargain bin of, 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 of coordinators and
1: coaches? Well, I mean, I- I, you got to think. Who wants to work with Matt Rule? Well, that's I mean, that I mean, has to be considered too. If yeah, if I wag to that is saying like it's maybe career suicide. Look at Joe Brady. Went from the youngest, hottest offensive coordinator to fire.
0: He's not even on the list anymore. He's not even on the list. He was one of the top head coach candidates. He's not even on the list. People aren't even talking to him from what I'm seeing. So why would Scott Turner or anyone from the Bills organization want to leave those organizations? Let's talk about the Bills for a second. <laughs> because first off, anyone who says that the comparison between J- Josh Allen and Kim Newton is ridiculous needs to shut up. Because Cam didn't have the arm talent. Have you Like, go back and watch Cam's tape. It's literally just, I've, and I see it over Twitter because I'm saying the same thing. I'm not surprised by what Josh Allen's doing. Cam was doing it for four years in Carolina. But the Bills, they said, okay, we. they saw the dumpster fire in Carolina. You want to be really upset with the Bills? The Bills are the Panthers. They're not the Panthers of the North. They're the Panthers. They took our thought process and our plan and actually made it work. They got him Stephon Diggs. They got him a line around him. They 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 built up the defense from the defensive backs inward. Edmund brothers and all those guys coming in, and now you look stupid because they just put a whooping on the top five defense in the NFL.
1: And look at how the head coach approaches the game too. When they get up, they don't they don't they don't let the pedal. Whoa, got forty seven. Like look at the thirty one points he put up against Seattle, and how that game ended up being close by the end is beyond me. But the entire mentality is just take what we saw in Carolina, fix it. do everything they didn't do. Get the line, get the weapons. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to press the gas. And now you look at them. Now they play. Now they go up against Kansas City, and I like them in that game oh, yeah. against Kansas City.
0: I mean, McDermott has he he sees, saw what Rivera did. He saw okay Rivera, and he's a younger guy. He saw okay Rivera. I know what you're trying to do. You need to you need to still push the envelope a bit. You're just you're holding back a little bit. I mean. A touchdown every drive. We can't even get a touchdown on two drives, and no. they're getting a touchdown. And no punts, no fumbles, no interceptions. It was the it was a they they pit they played a perfect game. They batted a, or pitched a perfect game,
3: and I'm sure Tyler will jump in here in a minute. But you know, here's the gist: McDermott had 16 years of coaching experience, 16 years in the NFL, going from the Eagles, you know, and then to. Uh, the Panthers. I mean, it's you're talking about 16 years of walking into a building with a game plan and going from you know like assistant coaches to defensive coordinators. You know, I mean, it's just he he took a path, and that path was 16 years. And and you you just I'll let I'll let Tyler go there for a second.
2: You're I mean you you hit it right on the head. 16 years he saw the ins and outs, he saw the high points, the low points, um, what was working, what wasn't. And, um, he, you know, he really got that firsthand experience while also, you know, developing into a defensive coordinator right before and being able to make his own smaller decisions before becoming the head coach. And, um, you know, uh, right now when a lot of guys are you know, on the quick rise and, and, and a lot of it works out for guys that you know, make the quick rise to become head coaches um, early on. There's also something to be said about the guy that spends spends his time, um, you know, does his due diligence with the team, works his way up, gets all the experience he needs, and um, is successful that way too. Uh, Dean Pease, the Falcons' defensive coordinator, was uh, was talking in a press conference about how, you know, he he waited so long for 30, 40 years to become in the NFL, coached high school, coached small college, but um, he enjoyed he enjoyed his entire time and he learned a lot in his journey to prepare for the moment of being in the NFL. And, you know, the Falcons defense, um, despite not having a lot of, you know, pieces to them this year, they were, they were a solid unit. So um, there's definitely something to be said about the, the, the coach that, um, you know, takes the long road and works his way up, gets those firsthand experiences and then implements them himself. And, um, you know, I think it just goes to show that getting a head coach that you trust and to put the plan in action is good and somebody that can work well with others at the top, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just going to be one person leading the organization. So you have to be able to make decisions with the GM and, um, you know, compromise that sometimes to, to, to work out the different needs between the head coach and GM, because if one person gets to the top and they want to try to do it all themselves, it's not going to work out.
3: So let me just say this real quick, Jack, before we jump in. So something a little known fact I'll throw out there, Sean McDermott, was a graduate assistant and assistant coach at the College of William & Mary. Now, there's a guy named Jimmy Laycock who coached William & Mary um, for almost 40 years. He's the third longest tenured coach in Division I football history, guy named Jimmy Laycock. And I remember interviewing him when I worked in Hampton Roads, and I asked him what was the success of his team. And he said, longevity of a coach and the team taking on the characteristic of the coach. And if you knew Jimmy Laycock like I knew him and how good William & Mary was in terms of they may not win all the time, but they went out there and performed and people were, knew what they were getting. So Sean McDermott started there with, with that with that head coach, um, somebody who helped form him as a coach and stuff like that. So that just goes along to this, I get it. I know I'm in for the long haul, and I'm going to develop a culture that's through my years of coaching, and that's where you get what you get.
0: I mean and just and you and, and Tyler, right? You know, talking about working way up the ranks and you taught and you look not only a step further into that, but what those coaches that have done, what they do for the coaches around them. Look at Ron Rivera, two years it was two years before he was even an actual coach. He was defensive quality control coach. I don't even know what that means. Then five years as a linebackers coach, then three years as a defensive coordinator. He went back to being the inside linebackers coach for the Chargers, stayed with there, and then it was finally defensive coordinator. Then he finally got the head coaching gig. You talk about the guys he was an assistant coach for: Lovey Smith, Andy Reid, Norv Turner, Dave Wanstead. I got all these guys, and then look what that ro- rotated into. Instead of in his first two years, his almost his, his first offensive coordinator getting fired, he was putting out Rob or Rob Chizinski, Excuse me, Sean McDermott, Steve Wilkes, all getting head coaches, head coaching jobs right after that. So now your guy, whoever was talking about being a head coach while still being in the team, you fire him. He's not even in conversation anymore. He's not even being discussed anymore. We don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. But you look at Ron Rivera, three guys who all got head coaching jobs, maybe not albeit as long. But Sean McDermott now is having is having longevity in that position. And now I'm getting hearing things about you know the offensive coordinator. Obviously, all these Barney mid-picks. But I'm even seeing tweets after you know the Cardinals debacle last night where people were saying Cliff Kingsbury was gonna one of was gonna be our offensive coordinator. He's not gonna come here.
1: He's coming. No, here to die. But Arizona may need to consider a change because oh, they've no, had three not, years of not yeah. being able to finish. Well, but look, but look at I would love Cliff, you know. But look look at
3: what here's and here's just I was just looking it up or whatever. You look at Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, sorry. I mean, he had Texas Tech. Right. He was at Texas Tech, correct? Yep. He was like, didn't have a winning record Mm -mm. with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. But here's the gist, too. And if you think about it, I'm going to go. And here's the gist when we talk about if you look at the head coaches that have gone college to the pros, whether it's been a Nick Saban or it's been a Steve Spurrier or whoever, they've been head coaches from head coach to college to head coach to the pros. And none of them have been very successful except for Jimmy Johnson. Let's be real. Um, and Jimmy Johnson, just who he is. But even if you take, um, you know, Vrabel, I mean, Vrabel was, you know, an assistant coach at Ohio State. He was an assistant coach here. They didn't bring him in from being, you know what I'm getting at? I mean, he wasn't a college coach. These, all these assistant coaches, coaches, even head coaches, they go into assistant role, assistant coach roles. So, you know, it, it, Cliff. I mean, I know they're talking about Kingsbury today and stuff because it was just a debacle what we saw last night. Um, and he just got outplayed now, coach. But yeah, I mean, his college was not that good.
0: Why would he want to come here? Then now, he, if he comes here, then like Chanté said, that's suicide. That's coaching suicide to come here. Yeah. And, but what, and-
3: what, but, but what do you do?
1: Well, what are we gonna do? I, I mean, what, you what, you may be stuck with Ben McAdoo, in all honesty. Huh? You may be stuck with a Ben McAdoo, who's searching for an opportunity to get back into you know to get back into that space. Like you're me you may have to go with a with a desperate option that just that's where we're at we're a desperate team right. with desperate right. options that's kind of that's just we're at you, right that
0: now rule cannot close he can he's at a bar thank god for his wife because if he's at a bar he's not taking a girl home he's going to take the desperate girl home that's what he's doing now on offensive coordinator he's taking the desperate chick home cuz he's going to take or he's the desperate guy that's so just going to take anybody home that's what he's doing right now because he just it's just it's desperation and yes desperation can amount to success in some notions, but not the success you want, and not the success that's going to be that's going to have any sort of longevity, and that's my concern. I mean, like, I mean, I know everyone's talking about it now. I'm still not, I'm still not, you know, stressed over not getting Matt Stafford. I'm still not saying that was an issue for us. No. He performed, but I'm still. But so then coming around, we talk about it. I don't want any part of Kirk Cousins. What? That's nope. just an older Sam Darnold. Is that you? Don't want that. He's just – it's not – and I'm not saying older isn't more experienced. I'm saying older is just an age. He's just eight, nine years older than Sam Darnold, and I don't want that.
1: Do you go get Jimmy Garoppolo? Absolutely Garthold?
0: not. No, I don't want to touch him either because – no, because no, he did in the Super Bowl. He had all the talent in the world with him in the Super Bowl, and if it wasn't the fact that – and they had a chance to put the Chiefs away in that Super Bowl. Shantice and I watched that. in the, We were watching that – what was it, senior year? And we saw yeah, so and we saw the debilitation of Jimmy Garoppolo to go, I have no experience. And I don't think he still has that experience. I think if anyone has any sort of success on this team, it's Debo Samuel. That's the reason they're in the position they are in. And whether that's the coach is using him right, maybe that's coming from Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, using him in a college mindset. But that just makes it all the more aggravating because DJ can do exactly what Debo is doing. Maybe not as successful because I think Debo is a special talent in himself. But mm-hmm. to not even try and use DJ like we, and we and even when like we had North Turner, it was still Curtis Samuel who's the one getting those kinds of plays. DJ was never getting those reverses. It was always Curtis Samuel, and that's what's always baffled me because one of the things they said about DJ in his draft stock, I remember watching this. Was his ability to make moves in open space. That was the that was the only thing they talked about. Was his route running ability and his ability to make moves in the open field. We saw him in Maryland running circles around guys in ridiculous no, notions. And I swear I just don't understand why DJ is not getting that oh like we're we're so we're just curtailing DJ so much here. Because even yeah. Lee Rodgers is the one getting the reverses now this year.
1: They've how that offense regressed. From 2020 to 2021 is beyond me because in 2020, at least, you know, we had faith that he was going to get his numbers. Robbie looked phenomenal. And Curtis Samuel also, and, and how they use Curtis Samuel also added another wrinkle into that offense where they, they've kind of relegated DJ to just running slants and dig routes. Robbie is only running slants. I, I don't understand how we just completely take these. Like, I, I, they almost made me think that they, these guys can't run routes.
0: That's what we remember. We were saying that we're like, where is Robbie on the field? Is he getting double covered? Is he getting like when his you know when his targets were going down the crapper? Everyone was like, where is he? And you add this guy who you say has insane arm power and did not even try the deep balls that we were that we were clamoring
2: for. The
1: one thing we learned was that Sam Darnold is probably one of the least worst deep ball throwers. That's what we learned. Teddy Bridgewater, while he was not open to throwing the ball deep. Wasn't nearly as bad as, as I think we may have remembered. And um obviously, just a better quarterback overall as far as how he processes the game. As far as with, with, with going to Kirk Cousins' route, I mean, he's 33 years old. I look at Cam, I'm like, well, Cam's the better option there. Absolutely. If you really, really want to be honest, if you're going to go with a 33-year-old, go with him. Again, it's just, we know what we do. I got to say, I'm telling you, you guys just live with the fact this is going to be a crapshoot. Don't let Matt Rule get his hands on a young quarterback. Let him draft whatever lineman he wants to draft bro. or to let him do whatever and and restart it next year with all your draft picks and just say, look, we've got to hit the tank. This, this is the tank we were asking for in year one.
2: Yeah, I'm just going back to uh, you know, being in the same spot and that roller coaster of, oh, we think we got something here. I mean, I remember when – Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel were, you know, all going to be 1,000-yard receivers, and things were looking great, despite, um, you know, some of the offensive battles we faced in 2020. Um, But then going into this year, it was just a complete debacle, and, um, you know, it it just goes to show you look at the teams in the playoffs right now. What do they have? They have a quarterback quarterback most of them have a quarterback that can lead the way and be the face of the franchise. And it, it takes time and investment to get that. And um, you know, that's, that's where it starts. And that's what, and we know that, and you look at all these teams and what do they have um, for the most part is they have at least poured resources and tried to develop the offensive line. You're never going to get five pro bowl players on the offensive line. It's just really hard to do when it comes to injuries, when it comes to um you know the different rotations and getting guys to stick and and work there, but they pour resources into the offense line to the defensive line as well, and um, that's a lot of these teams that made the playoffs and are still going this year. Uh, you know that, that's a that's a big part of it. Um, we talk about like quarterbacks that are you know being able to put the team on their back and carry them, or quarterbacks that need to be helped um, by 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 their teammates. And uh, to me, that's a uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins who at this point. You know, it doesn't really change anything for us, you know, getting, getting, getting a Jimmy G or Kirk cousins. It's um, you know, there, what's the point that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. What's the point? Um, because they're not going to take us to, to the playoffs. They're not going to elevate us to that next level. Uh, there's a deeper, there's a deeper problem here and we need to go, you know, there's no shortcut solution here there's no quarterback that's just sitting on the market that's going to be good enough i mean the reason these quarterbacks are on the market is because they're not performing like the teams want them to and so for us to take the shortcut there is not something i'm looking forward for us doing this offseason i really hope we don't but uh, i do know for a fact that we're going to add somebody to this quarterback room when where how i have no idea i just hope we do it the most efficient way and not trade future picks to, you know, maybe put a bandage on the most important position in sports.
0: At this point, at this point, don't, at, at, at this point, don't ride with the guys you have stop shopping for used cars and pave the damn road so that the cars can drive on it. Because at this point it's, it's not because Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk cousins, and really, like you said, Tyler, anybody who's not playing to the worth of what they think they are is not going to perform against again, this offensive line. Do I need to say it again? They're not going to do it. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have panic attacks on the field behind our offensive line. Kirk Cousins is going to be running to AARP trying to get away from this offensive line. It's not going to matter. It, don't just don't do it. If you're going to tank, you know, like if Shanti is right, you're going to tank, I th- tank, 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 and get your offensive line. Do it with the Colts, Titans, Cowboys, Bengals. Oh, get your offensive line. Andrew Wirth, Wirth, Wirth is out there at 40 years old, and he's still dominating defensive linemen. So don't tell me there's guys that, that aren't out there. Go get you, uh, you know, a David DiCastro. He's sitting there at home on his couch. You can't tell me he's not going to be able to perform at least a little bit better than what we got right now. Pick up a guy in the – I don't care how long his arms are. I don't care if he's a T-Rex with no arms at all. Draft him. Do it. Please. God. Because it's just it's – just, It's going to, we're going to get, we're going to get stuck. We're just, we're going to get, it feels like groundhog day. We're just going to get stuck.
3: And and the gist is this, you don't have to, and I'm just going to go off my tangent here for a second, if you guys don't mind. You don't have to be flashy. You don't have to be Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what I'm getting at is you take somebody and I've argued it on Twitter all day and I just got to get off social media, but you know, like Ryan Tannehill's getting no respect. You know, there are people like out of the eight remaining teams, he's number eight in terms of the quarterbacks. Um, and and yet, you know, all he's done is led this team to the number one seed in beaten teams when he hasn't had Derrick Henry, when he hasn't had Julio Jones, when he hasn't had A.J. Brown. But but what he's had is he's had a coach who gets it, a GM who gets it, a defense that has played better football, and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a team that has been put together – Around a quarterback that you know what? I'm not I'm not Patrick Mahomes, I'm not Tom Brady, I'm not Matthew Stafford. I'm just gonna go out there and just try my best. And granted, he's not had the best season, sure. 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But damn it, they're there. And you know what? Do they have a legit shot of winning two ball games and going to the Super Bowl? I, I say it, but I don't know. Bills in Kansas City. I mean, but what I'm getting at is it's there. And Ryan Tannehill. I go back to Marcus Mariota, but Ryan Marcus Mariota, who didn't live up to the hype, but what did he do? He made the Titans relevant again, if you guys know what I mean. He put them on the map. He won a playoff game in Kansas City, and he, you know I'm getting at, so it started moving him in direction. Then you get Ryan Tannehill, and I think that what hurts some people like the Kirk Cousins, the Jimmy G's is, look at what Ryan Tannehill's doing. Well, he's not setting the world on fire, but he has the right coach. Uh-huh. Who understands him? He has the right GM who gets it. He has the right team that understands it. You can't bring in Jimmy G to the Panthers and expect to be successful. You can't bring in Kirk Cousins and expect him to be successful. You couldn't take Ryan Tannehill, put him on there, and be successful. Hell, I don't even know if you could take Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers and put him ahead in that offensive line and be successful. But it comes back to the guy who is in charge. And for Matt Rule, he is the golden boy. He is the man and until you get – and I'm sorry for Miranda on the Titans, but I'm trying to make a point of what coaching means in this league – And and I'll I'll leave it at that.
0: There's nothing wrong, Jeff, with using successful examples on how to build your organization. That's what we should have been doing from the get-go. So all these comparisons, they're not going unheard because that's the whole point is that we didn't – is that Tepper didn't look at these successful organizations. He didn't even look at his own organization that he was a part owner of to see that coaching experience and consistency matters. We talked about three off three head coaches – in the entirety of your organization of what 80 90 almost 100 plus years however long it's been since they've been a team and they've had three head coaches it's unheard of And didn't even look into his own team to go hey maybe there's a reason for that maybe there's a reason that that's that's the case and they have the top what top three in super bowls in in, in, yeah. in NFL.
1: here's the thing the reason why he couldn't figure it out is because he wanted Mike fire yeah you're right
3: and listen and listen, as much as I do not like the Steelers, and I was pulling from the other night, Mike Tomlin is a coaching genius.
0: Oh, I'd take Mike Tomlin in a heartbeat if they think Mike
3: Tomlin him. Has, has, has has done something. And, and you know what? The Pittsburgh Steelers took on his personality. Is he dressing up for games? Heck no. Is he like, you know, I'm getting, he goes out there and gets the job done. Mike Tomlin is Mike Tomlin. And 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 and, and it just is, I can I say it, I mean, we're just we're, sorry, we're just, we're such a shit show right now. It's like, I mean, and, and I can't, for the life of me, the more I listen, every, every time I hear Matt Rule talk, I'm just like, does he have something with David Tepper? Does he have,
1: like, I just. Hey, look, it is <laughs> the thing, man. Good coaches raise the floor of what can be bad to mediocre teams. And raises the floor to Pittsburgh Steelers to the point where they're going to be an eight to nine win team, irregardless of the time. Even when yeah. they have to play Mason Rudolph and Haskins, Frank Reich you know, over Indianapolis, that team still nine and eight. Even though Carson Wentz for the for the first part of the season even spent time on, on on the injury list or wasn't playing well, still won nine games. Again, Tennessee, Mike Rabel, that team well enough to the point where even without guys on in the lineup, you the, the floor is raised to the point where. Ryan Tannehill was was, was able to coach was able to guide that team to to the number one seat. Good coaches raise the floor of bad teams, and Matt Rule just that's how you know he isn't a good coach because the floor is just falling out. Is you're bottoming out every time. If it's not perfect, you bottom out. If it, if something goes wrong, you bottom out. And again, we watched a lot of years like you talk about Ryan Tannehill it reminds me a lot of 2017 Cam, where it wasn't perfect, but coaching staffs. Quarterback play can raise the floor of a team that probably shouldn't be there. You know, that, that many people don't think should be there. So I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're just not built. Our structure is is is, is not fun. Is it, it, is bad. Uh, not a solid base. Head coach has no idea. Ross is built. Roster's been built sloppy. Ross has been built out of, like like erratic kind of in, in an erratic fashion, and it shows because we bought them out because we don't have we just don't have strong leadership. Tyler, let
3: me ask you a quick question. Um, you know, with with now searching for an OC, how quickly do we need to get that filled? Because, I mean, if we think about it, the draft's what, April? Um, so how quickly do you need to fill this OC spot in terms of – and then, I, like you said, if, are they going to have any any say in the matter? I don't know. But how quickly you got to fill it in order to feel comfortable as a fan to, to feel where we're going?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier with the chemistry, the teamwork, and – being able to count on the other people that you work with and the offensive coordinator, while it's not um, one of the two main positions in the organization, um, you know, they're calling the plays and they're running the offense uh, Rule is not a coach that is really versed in one in one spot, offense, defense or a certain position. He's kind of an all around coach and dabbles in a, different areas so that he ca- he counts on experts at the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator spots, which is a fine philosophy. And there's a lot of um, successful head coaches that really count on their coordinators to take that side of the game while they oversee everything. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the job of the head coach. But um, you know, of course, there's no rush. Um, you want to make sure we get the, the right guy in the building and really weigh out all the options. But um, on the other hand, there is there should be a sense of urgency knowing that, um, you know, we already seen some of the players on, even on the sidelines, on social media, getting to be to the point that I haven't seen from the Panthers where they're frustrated. They don't like where things are going. And, um, you know, it's a little bit concerning because I've never seen a Panthers team where the players are, um, you know, seem to be on a different page and and get getting upset really with a lot of, a lot of things that we may, may not even know about. Um, so getting a guy in there and uh, somebody that can really lead the offense um, is going to be critical because as, as we know, that's the weak point in our team right now and th- that's what we need to get right. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's interesting because for a younger coach that's rising the ranks, an uh, NFL offensive coordinator position is uh, pretty hard to turn down. Right. So somebody that can get their first time offensive coordinator job, they're going to take it. Um, but if for us, it's deciding do we want that. Do we want another young guy in the building after, um, you know, apparently the last one didn't work out. So uh, for. You know, we don't know We don't know why or what happened with that whole situation. But um, um, there's a lot of different options. And the, like Sean Tice was talking about earlier, is a more veteran coach going to try to pull for the job? And are we going to go that way uh, for maybe somebody that revitalizes their career?
3: So let me ask you this real quick. Jack, Jack let me ask you this because you guys help me out. This What's the guy who was at the end of the year? Nixon, is that his name?
0: Yeah, Jeff Nixon. Was, Jeff it? Nixon yeah.
3: was he a rule hire guy?
1: Well, yeah. yeah so- came, from, came from Baylor with him.
3: Got it. Because I was like, my, my, thought, my thought, my thought, my thought process is, do you not? I mean, is he completely out of it? I mean, have they?
0: It doesn't seem like they're bringing him in for interviews, but I don't know if they would need to. That's the no, like if they know everything they know about
3: him. I guess my question is, would it be somewhat of a godsend to go, listen, let's just keep him um, and, and stay with me. He's a rule hire. You know, Donald is in now. You know, he's going to be the starter next year. You maybe get CMC back. The I don't want to say the familiarity of being average, but that familiarity of who they are as an organization helped Matt Rule take another step, help the team take another. You guys go what I'm getting at? Because I go back to the Titans when Arthur Smith left, Todd Downing, who was the tight end's coach, took over and has done a pretty good job calling the plays for the Titans. So my question is: like, would we be better off letting Jeff Nixon stay around and 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 and, and go with it? I, I don't know. You three can 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 go on that. I just, I'm a little curious. And then if everything bombs again, then you've got more to lay out and rule. Going, listen, you brought him in. We gave another year. You all, you guys, we're just gonna clean the house
1: all at once. At this point, I don't know if it, I don't know if it really matter at this point because I think rules is kind of where he's at. I think there's nothing he can do from a fan perspective to help his outlook thus far. The only thing that's gonna matter to ownership is can you win games. And so I mean honestly, I really think his best bet would be to go with a veteran OC, like a, a guy that's maybe trying to get his foot back into the door. Maybe just because of that desperation, maybe they really they really intent on making this happen. Um going the route of Jeff of Jeff Nixon, kind of just kind of I think it kind of seals your fate, honestly.
3: But but let me ask you this too, Jack and Tyler can jump in on this. But if you go hire a Ben McAdoo or you go hire Bill O'Brien or whoever they've talked to and stuff, um I think they talked to Kubiak, some, I don't even know, I guess it's, is that Gary Kubiak's kid? I don't know. But anyway, my thought process is if I'm Matt rule, why am I going to go hire a former head coach? Because all of a sudden maybe Ben McAdoo is going, well, if Matt Rule done last, I'm going to slip in be the head coach. So if I'm Matt rule, why am I hiring a former I mean, head coach maybe, to be taking the job?
0: Maybe hopefully the decision isn't on rule. Maybe Fitterer and Tepper are playing a bit more of a part in it than we, than we know of. And maybe that's, they're, maybe they're thinking, hey, if it's four games in and if Tepper is not wanting to, if, if we can't fire him now, but he goes 0-4 to start the 2020 season, which we got to, we'll talk about it, you know, in the next season. But we've got a, not a fun list of opponents uh, for this upcoming year. Not great. So if it's four games in and he hasn't won a game and they want to fire him and they need to put someone to interim, are you going to put someone who's his best friend or are you going to put a guy who was a former head coach? Oh, well, sure.
3: Sure. Understood. That's what, that's what,
0: I, I try don't. to end it on a good note because you know it's uh, I, like I said we we have these same discussions every week. I want to get you know a recap on y'all you know recap on the season what y'all thought we improved on. Give me an MVP, offensive defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, uh, most improved, you know players. Give me give me kind of a rundown of that, and I'll, and I'll go I'll go last. So give me like I said uh, things, a thing we think we improved on if we did, if anything. MVP.
3: i gotta, I got to write this
0: down. The <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> thing we improved on, if any, an MVP, offensive and defensive players of the years, if none of those aren't your MVP, rookie of the used year. we just going to go
1: round robbing with it. I mean, yeah, each yeah. Do, each, do, do do each one topic, we all going to do. Yeah, I mean, right? if we go, I mean, we want to go most improved, like the things we improved upon. The secondary did improve. It, that corner, you know, that, that, that improved, kind of felt more comfortable with going man-to-man, feel more comfortable with going against top end receivers when we had our guys healthy. Um I did feel comfortable with Dante Jackson, JC Horn before even well before the the, the Gilmore trial. I liked those two guys in the back end. And I thought they could have been a, a good duo moving forward this season had they stayed healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean I would agree with Shantice on the most improved with the corners and the secondary, but um, you know, the defensive line uh had its ups and downs over the season but i feel good about the group uh you tour hopefully see him in a bigger role next year but um you know through the trenches in the D line Derrick Brown you know we talked about looks like uh, the man going forward so I, I'm hopeful for the D line going forward.
3: I gotta say you know the defensive side of the ball obviously the most you know impressive of, of the of the year especially when you didn't give up an opening touchdown drive in 17 games that's that's I mean that's pretty cool. That's, that's, I mean you're the only team that didn't give up an open drive score that's that's pretty crazy um you know most approved, obviously the corners the secondary you know we we showed some signs there and had jc horn been healthy god bless him um I, offensive side of the ball am i wrong i am i mean me i mean i even though he didn't get the shot i think he deserved christensen i think he's got i mean i think there's some stuff there um but the offensive side of the ball i'm kind of going I don't know. I, I mean, and you you want an MVP of the team. I, I it, it it and it's a sad thing to think. Um, you know, do you go with Brian Burns? Do you go? I I just I don't I, I don't know. But um, I, I just think um, you know, defense of the side the ball had its issues, but it showed up most of the time and it was consistent. Um, I just and the most improved secondary. But other than that, offensive side of the ball, I can't say. I'm sorry, offensive side of the ball. I just I I can't say anything nice about it. I don't I don't want to be wrong, but you know, um, it is what it is. If I'm
0: gonna go, what I think we might have improved on best in this situation was um, I would say figuring out a backup for McCaffrey. I think we did a good job of, you know, figuring out that situation. I, like I said, I like what we have right now. If we were to keep Amir and Chuba, I like that as a bat you know, if, if we had to walk away from, uh, you know, CMC, Tyler, we talked about it last week, maybe shopping them off uh, begrudgingly to the bucks for maybe a Tristan Wirfs, you know, or, or some, or one of the guys they got over there. I would be, I, I wouldn't hate that, you know, cause they would, they, they, they need a running back unless they're, you know, cool with, you know, who they've got over there. Um, we're talking MVP for the year. I'm going, I'm going Hassan Redick. I mean, that's gotta be, that, that's well, gotta yeah. be my MVP for the well. year. Come off what he did. I mean, you know, obviously towards the latter end of the year when things didn't really matter as much, he had, you know, COVID and, and, and he wasn't playing as much, but when, you know, it mattered, he was out there all the time doing what he needed to do. So I was, you know, I was a fan of that. Um, and we're talking, you know, Rookie of the year, like I said, we've said it before, and like I'll let you know, Jeff kind of gave his run out, and I'll let Chomsky and Tyler go too. Uh, after I get, I'll give my full slate. Uh, for doing rookie of the year, it's gotta be Chuba. It's gotta be Chuba. I there, there's, I don't see really anybody else out of this rookie class that even got the chance they deserve to. It would have, you know, I mean, like yeah. I said, like Jeff said, Brady showed some flashes. Um, but I'd say it has to be Chuba just from what he did. Yeah, player awesome. of the year. If it isn't, if it isn't Hassan, um, if it isn't a sign it's i really don't have one dante i would have said but then he fell off towards the end of the year frankie did a lot i think maybe frankie could maybe hit for most improved um yeah we're gonna give someone a most improved i think frankie showed a lot of improvement as the season went on like i said dante would have had that slot too but he just kind of fell off there um there towards the end and then i think i think that was it those are the i think those were the and then off oh if there's gonna be an offensive player of the year and it's not chuba I mean, I guess always still give it to DJ. I think that's always the, the the right answer that's to give it, it to DJ, it. Yeah. even for the. I mean, the problem is unfortunately he took he went from two to ten, from twelve to two, and that's about how that's what his touchdowns for the year went to as well.
1: Yeah, man. Essentially, you kind of just napped my list. There really there weren't a whole lot of options. There's not Yeah, to be quite honest. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's not really a whole lot of options there.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Hassan Reddick. You know, like what we have there. Hopefully, you know, we see if we bring him back or not. And then uh I, I'm a Derek Brown guy. I like what we got
3: with him. Yeah, that's I, I yeah. A
1: lot of people try to rail on Derek Brown this year though. I mean I just I, he he does what he's supposed to do. He think I think he's improved. I think he showed a lot I thought I think he showed a lot of flashes as to what we saw out of, coming out of Auburn too. So I mean I'm I'm fine with Derek Brown.
0: And that's I mean about as you know good as we can go to be positive about it.
3: Hey, let's um let's just for the fun of it, let's just uh throw out real quick uh Super Bowl predictions. Who's going? Ooh.
0: Who do I wanna go or who do I think's gonna go?
3: Well both. <laughs>
0: Red Titans 49ers. I think they could give you your most exciting matchup. I think who do, those, you, think,
3: who do you think's gonna go?
0: If I'm being realistic about it, I think I, I think it's going to be a Titans Bills AFC Championship, and then I think it's going to be. I'm thinking Titans Packers. I, I the Packers are the safe pick. I know, but I just don't see. I mean, if it's not, if it's, if it's not, if it's not, it's either Packers or Bucks. I don't think there's anyone else out there coming out of that. I think.
1: I would probably lean towards. I, I'm gonna go Chiefs Rams. I think the Rams. Dust off Tampa Bay right now because I mean with, with with those injuries on the offensive line, Werfs and Jensen, Von Miller and Don are gonna get after it. Um, Go ahead. The Go one on, team Tom. this year that, that, that I thought could get it done. So yeah, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, Rams.
2: Yeah, mine has been since start Packers, Chiefs. Um, you know, I think I, I think it's Rogers' year. I think I think it's gonna happen. And then, you know, I'll put my I'll put my money on the Chiefs and see what see what they can do.
3: All right. Well, who I want to see <laughs> is of course the. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see the uh, I'd love to see the Titans and Rams, and they get to replay that one-yard short Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh. Um, would be awesome. Um, the amount of advertising they could do with that, and
0: I don't know if you'd uh, want to see them again after after the last game.
3: I know. Um. So, Tyler's, uh Titans, Rams. Um. I, 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 think whoever wins the, I'm gonna just be honest. I think whoever wins the the Bills Chiefs, um, goes. And I'm gonna go with John T's. I honestly gosh think the Rams. I think the Rams can beat the Bucs. And I think the Rams could go in and, uh, and, and uh, Lambeau and, and beat Green Bay um, if somehow or another the 49ers don't beat them, which I don't think is going to happen. So um, um, we'll see. And so that's what I think. Um, but and, and wrap up too, Jack, uh, I think the uh, Hall of Fame voting is today.
0: It is um, tonight.
3: And, uh, Sam we'll, see I, we'll, we'll see what happens there.
0: It's his third and final chance to get uh, into the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. So hopefully they make the right decision and you know put him in. Um, I think maybe that would, be, that would be the nice turning point, maybe the sim- symbol for this organization to say, hey, Absolutely. we did have a legacy. We did have some – even if he's – I'll be pissed if he goes over with Saints jersey. I really will be, and I'm afraid he's probably <laughs> going to. He's <laughs> yeah, getting the Saints. I mean, this is – because, you know, we've had all those players that we've had in the Hall of Fame that have always had, you know, the – they were with what the, the – you, know, you know, all these other teams first. So hopefully this is a guy that, you know, we can still claim as our own, um, and we can, of course – um, and then the guy, like I said, and just wrapping up the good thing about the Super Bowl, I think, and I've said it since the beginning of the year the Super Bowl and this playoffs, I still don't think there's one team that stands out above the others. I think all these teams are pretty evenly matched, um, for a lot of the you know, albeit with maybe the outliers of the Bengals and the 49ers, but even then, they still have that fire. So I think this is going to be an exciting, I mean, even though the first round of the playoffs wasn't super, super close, except for you know, again, the Bengals and the 49ers games that left the teams in there a little bit too long. Um, I, I think that the second round is going to be just as exciting and I'm excited to see where it goes. And if we can just sit, keep sitting on our couch and keep waiting for the day where we're going to be in these conversations and we're, the the season's going to go past the Super Bowl so we can still go. But, guys, we're going to take a little bit of time off. Jeff's probably not going to be able to come on an episode for the next month, either out of anger or out of excitement. So we're going to take a break. Um, obviously, if anything, major drops – you know, we'll, we'll be, you, you can, you can count on us to be back to give our, you know, takes on whatever happens. Um, and we'll, we'll let y'all know about a, about our a start dates for season four, uh, as soon as, as soon as we figure it out. But again, for everyone who's listening out through this year, anyone who's just joined us, anyone who's joined us after we've resigned cam, you know, anyone who's been listening since, you know, day one, you alls support and, 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 and listens mean the world. We're going to, you know, figure out ways to get y'all more involved as the season goes along. Um, So just, you know, thank you all for for being here and keep listening and, and keep pounding.